Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. Unlike most ministries, Revolution Church is not backed by grants from larger institutions. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on our website. Thanks for listening. Uh, well, last week's sermon was quite an uplifter. I know that you all are probably still on the high from the Ecclesiastes sermon last week. Um, my psychiatrist is like, I think it was because Mother's Day and you're missing your mother. And I'm like, gosh, psychiatrist, come on, that old game. But I almost didn't, I, I, I finally put it up, but I almost didn't put it up. I kind of felt it was like, I would say I felt that it was messy, but I'm always messy. So felt a bit vulnerable, but that's my job. It's the word. It's, it's some word. <laughs> it's profanity. Um, are we on? Yep. Okay, we're on. Ladies and gentlemen, from Brian Lake Bowl. Wouldn't that be awesome if we had some like, it's your host, Jay Baker. <laughs> well, funny thing happened to me on the way over here today. Um, all right. So last week we, we talked about some, some, some dark stuff, and, and that was... I actually got a lot out of it. I think, you know, it's a compliment when my buddy Pete threatened to uh, to steal some of it if I didn't make use of it within another month. That he was going to take it and go on tour with it so that we just want to have it recorded. You're all witness to that. Which was a high compliment. Yes. High, high. I like that. So... Um. So today's sermon is uh, called Embracing the Messy. Embracing the Messy. (laughs) I like to write all my sermon titles first. Then the sermon just takes care of itself. That's what ACDC does when they write songs. Still not a laugh on that joke. Remember I gave that about eight months ago? I thought maybe... I just can't hear the audience from up here. I think that's what it is. So soundproofed. Um, We are looking for the best way to the church, and and a lot of us are, we are looking for the best way to communicate, and we want to have the best way uh, to reach out. Um, growing up in the church, I used to hear a lot of "Let's strive for excellence," uh, "Let's raise the bar," "Raise the standard," and that type of thing. Um, and I was thinking about it because, you know, often people we go to th- I would go to things to learn how to be a better speaker, but I obviously never listened. Or how to raise money, or all these things. And I remember we used to waste, like this, this church I was a part of, we used to waste so much money going to these these events where you get like the free tote bag and like tons of tapes. 
and you buy the book, like, oh, I'm going to read this one for, I mean, it's an $85 paperback, but it's going to change my life. And uh, I don't think I ever read any of them. I might now if I went to something like that. But but I was always chasing the excellence. Um, a lot of my friends uh, uh, over time had worked at various churches, especially back in you know, about 10 years ago. And, uh, you know, they would always, the churches would be like, we've got to be like AT&T, you know, and Apple computers and, you know, Macintosh and Xerox. I don't know, Xerox, that still around? We've got to make good copies. And they were kind of making copies of copies of copies because they wanted to reach, like, they wanted to be like this professional level, you know. And I think it was one way of them making themselves feel secure that they were getting paid so much for doing full-time ministry. <laughs> Like, if we have lots of meetings and seem really professional and people have to, like, check in and sign their name when they come in and sign it when they go out and maybe have a visitor's pass, we can justify what we do. Um, Even though the doors are locked six days out of the week. Which I always found interesting. Um, But there was always this striving for excellence and, and, and being the best at everything you can do. I've never been excellent at anything. I mean, nothing. I have never mastered anything. (laughs) Well, maybe one thing, but that's another story. (laughs) Um, But I've never really been excellent at anything. And I I started right down, let's see what I've never been excellent at. And uh, I've never been good at speaking. I'll never be good at speaker as Rob Bell. I'm not saying I'm not good at speaking because some of you will come up and be like, oh, gee. Um, but I'll never be Rob Bell. Like, Rob Bell can talk for like 10 minutes and blow your mind. And he, and he has the positioning right. And he walks and he talks. And you feel like he's talking to you. And let me tell you, have you ever wondered where everybody goes um, when they die? And he's got this, you know, and then one time I watched him for, talk for two hours on string theory. Kid you not. The only thing that, that, that people seemed weirded out about is people were trying to take notes. And once he started, they all like, their notebooks closed because youth pastors or guys like me aren't going to take notes on the string theory of the proof of God. But it got, was fascinating for two hours. And he had this huge board that went all the way to the back. And it was in a bar. And he was like, writing all this thing. And he reminded me of the guy from Apple. What's the guy's name? Who died? Steve Jobs. I was like, he is the Steve Jobs of the church. Fascinating. Um, and that's just never going to be me. Now, growing up, I was always, you know, in the evangelical church, I was always given prophecies and told a lot of things. So you get these illusions of grandeur. Like, I mean, I remember one time I was in a church with my mom. We walked into this real, really charismatic church that she was going to for about three weeks, I think, in Palm Desert, California. And I walk in, and this guy goes, it's him. And he starts to give me this huge, like, your message will go across the country like a great fire, you know, and all this stuff. And my mom wrote it down. And I always love to go back to those guys now and say, huh? Was it the affirming message that you meant? <laughs> you know, well, somehow you missed that one. Um, I never cared about the poor like Mother Teresa. 
or or um or even um my my my, my good buddy what's his name uh <laughs> Shane Claiborne I mean, this guy, you know, grows his hair out, moves into crazy neighborhoods, and does a lot of beautiful stuff. And I've never had that passion. I've worked with the homeless. I've done things like that. But my passion has just never been like, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to cure the world's debt, and then I'm going to go over to, you know, wherever they go and, and do all this great stuff. And and I'm going to go to then we went to Palestine, you know, very heroic stuff. You know, and went over there, and the people from Israel were upset at them. But then he was like, "No, we're all brothers in Christ." You know, one time he rained money down on the audience, and, and I don't know what that point was of that talk, but I've still I've heard about it for like 15 years now. So I've tried to make it rain money, but it doesn't seem to. Um, but you know, I, I've just never, you know, those guys have got something I I don't have. Now I'm not here using this as a, my personal, like, confession or or uh, or, or counseling session because I have that on Wednesdays. Um, but I, I'm using these examples. I use my me as an example because I know myself, and because also I don't like throwing people under the bus. Um, so, but trust me, we'll get into the examples of other people. I'll never be as graceful as Brian McLaren. I've only known one person who was mad at Brian McLaren. <laughs> that said they, Brian McLaren was mean to them. I, one person. You know. The guy's a nice... Hey, Jay, how you doing? Some stranger comes up, he'll be like, So, stranger, what, what's your passion? What do you care about? Who are you? You know, I'll do stuff like that. And I'm sitting there like going like, oh, do I have to talk? There's a stranger at the table. Stranger danger, you know. <laughs> and he's like, what are you passionate about? I mean, he's good. He's real good. And, and to the point where it makes you sick. Um, no, I love Brian. Brian's like one of my heroes. Um, or I'll never be as academic as, as Peter Rollins. You know. Uh Unless I win like a 20 years in school somewhere. Um, I'll never be a good writer as Rachel Held Evans. You know. I'll never be cool and pastoral as Nadia Boltz-Weber. I love skateboarding and I've never been really good at that. I like painting. I've never really been great at that. I always wanted to learn how to play the guitar. I never did. Um, but the great thing is, as far as the people I've mentioned are concerned, I've, got, I've been blessed to know them all and to take little pieces from them and to experience their lives. And it's been really neat. And sometimes I re- just retweet them, but I'm glad they're good writers. And I'm glad they say things that because of my dyslexia, I don't necessarily, I'm not able to write down, but they write and I go, ah, retweet. Or, you know, share on Facebook or steal this part and preach it on Sunday. Um, another horrible, God, great joke. You know, just pretend. To <laughs> I have a friend that sometimes laughs while he talks. It's pretty weird. Um, now, if there was a thing of like, uh, like, like if you could be excellent at shopping or procrastination, 
I would be really good at that. Or nervous and panicky at the most inappropriate times. I have excellence in that. Yesterday, I was in the car. Me and my wife were going to this art thing. A couple of people she works with were there, and we're going to meet them. And I kind of like got a little psyched out before I got on the freeway, and I started getting a bit of a panic attack. And I said, pull over, pull over, pull over. <laughs> and then I like dry heaved out of the car, which I've never done that before in a panic attack. I love that my panic attacks are always stepping to the next level. <laughs> like, <laughs> my unconscious hates me. Anyway... <laughs> At least I think it does. My unconscious is really excellent at screwing with me. So there's an excellent part. Um, it's like, you know, and I had to sit there and count to ten and take emergency pill, breathe. And then we got on the highway and went and did the thing. Um, it was great. Uh, you know, it's like, uh, and Karen was like, it's weird. Like, if we have like four hours to drive on the freeway, you're fine. <laughs> If we have to get on there for five minutes, you go insane. I'm like, I know, it's crazy. Um, it's because that's where the Matrix gets, you know. No, it's not safe on the freeway. If you've seen the Matrix. It's a very hip thing for us emergent pastors to preach on 20 years ago. Um, there we go. I'm going to have you guys mic'd. You two are getting mic'd <laughs> with your little giggles. Um... I'm just me, and you are just you. This is not a Joel Olstein like, let's be awesome together, and things are going to be great. He's like, you know, have you, he's got that book called Every Day's Friday. Have you seen that? Like, he seriously has a book, like, make every day Friday. And I'm thinking, like, well, you know, I don't work like the average person. I work twice as hard. No, and... <laughs> My dad actually didn't work enough for the both of us, so I just let him do it. Um, uh, but, you know, it's like, what was I going to say? I totally forgot what I was going to say. Oh, um, every day is Friday. Every day is Friday. But it's not. And even if it was, let's think about that. It wouldn't be like Friday anymore because it would be the same as every The same every, every other day. And you're tiredest on Friday. You're like, oh, the week's over. Oh, thank God. I just want to go get a burger and crash out. Like we always, me and Karen always have grand plans. We're like, Friday night, we're going to go crazy. You know, and it's just like Friday night, it's like, oh, you should have a little dinner and sit in and go to sleep. You know, and then Saturday is the fun day. So I think he should have called the book Every Day is can be like Saturday. No, you think that would have been a better title? Because <laughs> you get to sleep. Well, unless you go to church. Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. I know, and so on and so forth. Well, every day is not Friday. Every day is like Sunday, as Morrissey said. Okay. Um, how do we? Uh, how do we stop the noise and learn to be? acceptance of me and you. And I'm not saying that we need to find peace. Remember we talked about last week, if you had peace and you're happy all the time, you'd be dead. Hence, rest in peace. Because you're gone. There's nothing there. Um, no, you know, It's like all the, you know, sometimes you see the monks and they say, you know, and they're, oh, they're peaceful and they've denied their want for everything and then they die. You know, and you're kind of like, what an exciting life you led. 
meditating all day. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that. Seinfeld joke. Um, <laughs> my jokes are a little dated. I got off a time machine earlier today from 1994. Um, but how do we just learn to accept ourselves? And, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm honestly asking this question because it's something that I struggle with every single freaking day. How do I accept the pain? Because I know I don't accept myself, or because sometimes I, I allow my own pain to go, like, push it down, there's a reason I'll get a panic attack at a weird point in a car or in a weird place, you know, <gasps> you know over something completely irrational rather than, like, the house is burning down. I'm like, oh, so... I've lost things, you know. So then you have to have like the crazies, like your 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 anger and your frustration has to find out another way to get through. Um, very inconvenient ways. Well, and I was thinking about. I believe it's in. Yeah, it's either in Ephesians or Romans. I think it's in Romans. Might be in Corinthians actually. Uh, where we all fall short of the glory of God. Bob's got to know where that's at. All fall short of the glory of God, but yet in His gracious kindness He declares us not guilty. Is that Romans? Oh, wow. Well, I didn't just make it up. It's in the Bible. It's in there. Well, you guys know what it is? Yeah, Romans sounds right. What's that? Oh yeah, well, I, it's from the New Living. I memorized all my verses in the New Living. All fall short of God's glorious standard, but yes, God is gracious to kindness declares us not guilty. Um, no matter who we are, what we've done, all oh, that's it. No matter who we are, what we've done, all sin, all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet in His gracious kindness, He declares us not guilty. That is Romans, I think, because then it goes, "Can we go on sinning?" Well, of course not. But that sin is talking about building up the law. It's not about. So we all fall. Uh, anyway, this isn't Jesusy stuff right now. This Romans three twenty three. I'm not trying to give you the meaning of that verse. I'm trying to say that at least there's something in the Bible that says all fall short. It happens. It's life. We all fall short in certain things or in everything. Now, there's something else we can do is we can wear masks that says something else. We can wear masks that says, hey, I've got it together. I'm a great speaker and, and writer. And, you know, the reason I won't let them just use my name on a book and won't use a ghostwriter to help me is because I'm afraid of that trap. Because my parents taught me to be afraid of that type of trap where you'd be like, everybody think, oh, you write your own books? Yeah, just don't ever look into my notebook. <laughs> You know, because my spelling's awful. I actually have to write in code half the time. They're going to find this in a hundred years and make a movie about it. Um, the J code, um, or a, or a five-year-old's journal. We're not sure. Um, But when we decide to put masks on and pretend like we're something we're not. So we all, you know, in high school I was a horrible student and I was awfully shy. I mean, just, that's why I drank. I drank because I could not socialize with anybody. But I watched enough movies like James Dean and I watched like Marlon Brando 
and um, Bob Dylan stuff, and I knew enough, like, okay, quiet, cool, mysterious guy. So that's who I am. I'll just walk from one class to the other class, and I'll just look really cool doing it. That was my plan. <laughs> you know, so this is when you have to go into learning strategy classes, which are the special classes, though, it's hard to look that cool doing it. But, you know, I, I did my best. You know, and so I'd spend like an hour in my hair. I would not do my homework the night before, but I would get up and I, oh man, I had luscious, luscious, thick mane. Every little strand, perfect. And people thought, this guy's cool, you know. And I got so good at that that years later, people thought I was obtuse or an asshole. It's another word. Remember, I was at this one church and I would in L.A. and you had to walk around this long parking lot where everybody hung out, and I wouldn't talk to anybody. But because I had kind of mastered that, like confident, I'm swagger. Everybody was like, "Is that Jim Baker's kid? Because he's a real prick. He he thinks he's too cool to talk to anybody." Because I and I found this out only because I was talking to someone one night at dinner and saying how nervous I get and how anxious I get, and they're like. <gasps> We all thought you were, and I was like, oh, awesome. Glad I carry that kind of confidence, but, you know. And then I was even more insecure, so then the next day I'm like, hey, 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 good to see you. <laughs> I own this place. Um, the idea, though, is we, we, we become liars when we put on masks. Uh, when we pretend to be perfect pastors or, or, or you know, pretend to, you know, be the person who carries all the work at the office, you know. Oh, I'm just, oh, I'm just so overloaded. You know, and you're the, probably the one who does the least or wh- whatever. W- you know, w- we put on, make sure we always have, you know, like a lot, you used to see like yuppies in the 80s, you know, they had their Rolexes and their, and their BMWs, you know. And I remember there was this one movie about the guy, it was like, who was in it? It was like Dan Aykroyd, I think. And it was with, they were having like this family vacation together. And they were the rich family, and then the family was like the, you know, middle class, middle lower class family, and so like intimidated by them. And they find out later that he was bankrupt, you know, that the car was about to be possessed, repossessed, the Rolexes were fake, you know, and the wife's like, what? <laughs> um, because they wanted to present something that they aren't. Uh, it's you know it's easy to do and a lot of us do it Um, you know I I know like when uh, if I ever had like one of dating girls and if I ever had a girl over I would clean the house spotless and they'd come by and I'd be like oh sorry I didn't have time to pick up (laughs) kind of a mess sorry about this you know but then years later they marry me and realize, like, this guy doesn't pick anything up. This is horrible. I've been hoodwinked. Um, uh, you know, we do that. Um, for me, it was always thinking I couldn't be, I couldn't be close enough to God, or I couldn't be good enough for God, or I couldn't fit in enough for any of this stuff. That was always what I felt. Uh, now it's just uh, I'm insecure about. You know what I do as a minister, where I'm going in life. I'm, a, you know, I have a fear of abandonment. You know, a lot of this stuff. And as this is why I do, my, this is how I go around and 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 aren't able to speak like any of these other people. And I'm not saying they're not transparent, but I'm just trying to get as honest as possible and say, you know, 
I'm scared. I'm nervous. I'm broken. And we're all broken. And, and I do that because no pastor told me he was broken still. You know, or they would have been like, take a leave of absence, you know. Go on vacation. I'm like, well, you want to pay for the vacation? That'd be awesome. Um, I just never saw that. So it created unrealistic expectations. You know, and, and uh, there was a skate video I watched, and I think it was a zero skate video. And instead of showing all the best tricks, they showed like how many times it took for that person to get that one trick. You know, because if you just watch it, the edited version, it's just like these kids are nuts. You know, but what you don't realize is like, oh, he broke his wrist, and then he had to come back like six months later and try it again. You know, and try it again, and try it again. You know. This idea of perfection. Or, you know, the Beatles. Yeah, they were a great band, but they were in the studio all the time. You know? So, they were, you know, why were they so great? Is because they were able to do a lot in the studio. And they were great writers, don't get me wrong. I don't want an angry Beatles fan calling me. Um, Beach Boys. There's a good example. It was almost impossible for them to do any of that stuff live because it was one guy, like, recording everything in a fireman's cap. Um... Brian Wilson is a genius. I love him, and I got to see him play once, and it was mind-blowing. But the idea is his mask. You're, then everybody worries about getting being exposed as a fraud. So what do we do is I think we've got to get to the point where we just tell everybody, guess what, I am a giant fraud. And not in the way of like the Calvinist way of like, I'm a horrible filth neo-Calvinist. I'll, I'll be nice to my liberal Calvinist friends. But like, I'm a horrible piece of crap saved by the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ. And they're just mean as hell. You know, and they're just like, and grace really isn't anything. It's just like, oh, well, you were just given, like, you're chosen. You're not. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> and, and, and not that kind of thing. But we've got to, you know, or oh, I'm a broken vessel. Use me, Lord. I'm not saying that. Uh, what I'm saying is, is we've got to just be who we are and let people know who we are. If you really want to be a role, mo- role model to someone, be who you are. Um, allow your weaknesses and insecurities to show. Because that's the type of stuff that, that changed me. I wanted to know other people were afraid. You know? Um, you know, asking my dad like if he ever doubted or if he ever gave up, gave up his faith or think, you know, I never did that until later in life. And then I found out, yeah, there were times where he was just like, didn't know, and uh, that was good because otherwise I just thought I'm alone. And so why I say this is so anybody who's here or anyone who's listening online is, you're not alone. You know, this might be the church of misfit toys. But almost all the toys are misfit toys. You know, there's all are really, yeah. There's some that are really good at pretending, <laughs> and it drives me crazy because I want what they have. Um, <laughs> I'm jealous of the New York Times bestsellers, um, even if they buy it. I'm jealous. Um, but then, what we become. Oh yeah, this is the other thing. Is we can create our own world and our own community. This is another way to, to hide brokenness or, or, or to hide 
reality is, is we can, and this is what the church often does, and, and that's my point of reference, but I'm sure you've seen it in other things as well. We can create our own world, an own community, where we don't listen to others, and we don't worry about their thoughts and their feelings. We only worry about the people in our own group. You know, have you ever wondered why, like, the youth pastor's hair was like, why the mullet was just a little bit longer in the church? All right, Christian music's always a few years behind, you know? Did anybody have a youth pastor with a mullet? You probably had the, he probably had the Caesar cut for some of you younger people. A little bit too long in the, in the goatee, no? Okay. Yeah, goatee, like, you know, goatee's not as cool as it used to be, you know? What's that? Like the transition phase. Oh, yeah. Frosted tips. There you go. And, uh, you know, hey, you know, and we just have, we're cool in our own world, even though, like, we get out of our own world and people are like, you guys are kind of dorky, you know, because you're like, oh, excuse me, brother, uh, that song on the radio is fun. I find that a bit offensive and it's grieving my spirit. If you could change the station to His Power 677, I would love that. Um, <laughs> And I mean, I remember kids saying this to me, like, you're grieving my spirit. I mean, ugh. it's like Christians, like, they don't get sad or offended. They're like, I've grieved. I don't cry. I weep. <laughs> I weep for your soul. Um, you know, it's your own, we got our own language. And if you kind of follow how people are brainwashed, if you look into that, you'll realize that a lot of your own language in your own acting certain way is done that way. And I don't want to be brainwashed. I want to have Jesus, but I don't want Jesus brainwashed into me. I just want to, I want to be a free agent. I don't know if I'm in too deep, though. I might be. Um, I don't want to live in the biodome. Um, great movie if you haven't seen it. Um, but, you know, there's many large Christian denominations. And people use the word tribes, which sometimes just drives me crazy. But I like the word biodome better. Where, where it's just this, their own world. Like, I've been watching all this stuff with the Southern Baptist Convention. And there's been some child molestation charges. And then there's also been, like... People, they're also upset at Rachel Held Evans for calling God a woman. And there's also, <laughs> there's been this really, just a lot of weird stuff that the Southern Baptists, it's like their last hurrah. You know, they're like, we're going to Jerry Fowell as much as we can so you don't know we exist anymore. And, um, and I like saw this thing. So I went and I'm looking at something and I just kind of mess with them now because it just doesn't, you know, honestly, there's no reason to fight. So I just try to joke back with them in the nicest way possible. Um, I'm going <laughs> to, so I type. No, so I was looking through, and then I saw like breaking ground at the, one of the big Baptist colleges. And I was like, is that seven white men? And I was like, well, the guy in the middle is really short, so he might not be Caucasian. Click on I zoom in. I'm like, no, he's just a short white guy. You know, or they had this big thing of the Christian coalition, which I didn't even know still existed. And I saw a picture of their big thing, and they're like, all of our leaders were there. And it's like four elderly white men. You know, I'm like, do you guys not get it? Do you not figure that there's something wrong here? You know, the, the, when you look out and see people doing things, they're not all just old white guys. And I love their strategy now. Their strategy is these 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 millennials just don't know what they're talking about. Yes, attack the youth because there's nothing that helps grow a church like attacking the future. Um. 
Now, let me also say this. There's nothing wrong with you being awesome at what you do. Josh, awesome drummer. Never seen you drum, but you've been in 85,000 bands, so you must be good. Or you're the only drummer in Minnesota. Heck, I think that might be it, actually. <laughs> you and three other guys, and I saw the other guy, and he's like, mm. <laughs> take a shower, buddy. Um, but there's nothing wrong with being awesome at what you do. I'm not saying that we all have to be broken and all have to be emo and we all have to be that. But there's just, that's some people's lives. Uh, so maybe you are awesome at what you do, but this is what I'm going to say to all you excellent overachievers out there. What has your expectation done to others? What has your expectations of excellent done to others? I think most of us sit in this room right now because someone had expectations of excellence for us in a church and we were just broken by it because we couldn't live up to the expectations. Expectations always steals your peace. I've barely ever been like, this is beyond my expectations, you know. Um, so I try to keep them low because they steal my serenity. Um, yeah, you know, it's like, whoa. <laughs> And when you've been through a lot and you're in pain in your life, you my mom always like keep your accounts short with God. I'm always like, I just keep my, everything in front of me, just real, <laughs> just real kind of short um, expectations. So we have to be aware of what we the expectations we put on others because people have different experiences. They've grown up in different ways. You know, my parents never checked my uh, my grades. Like, I always signed my own um, report. I don't even know what they're called. <laughs> so rarely saw one. Yeah, report card, you know. I mean, I would just look at my mom's thing. And then all of a sudden, I'm like Da Vinci. <laughs> I guess I can write in cursive. This is great. <laughs> Here you go. Um, yeah, I forged it. And, and my parents were never like, where's your, your grades? You know, it was just kind of like, Jesus will take care of it all. No big deal, you know. You've probably got a calling on your life, so you'll never have to worry about being able to read, okay? <laughs> what is this? A center for aunts? Um, another movie that hopefully some people listening online will get. I'm a highly sensitive person, if you guys haven't <laughs> locked into that one yet. And I'm messy. And I'm insecure about my messiness. I remember when I first started, people would be like, Oh, you just got up there and shared your heart, brother. And I just remember in the back of my mind being like, That just means I did a crappy job and just... They were like, Well, I kind of felt something, you know. You just just share your heart. You know, I'm like, No, I spent like five weeks on that, but thank you. Um... And I'm an introverted one at that. So that's a real pain in the ass. And it can be for a lot of us out there. Um, but then again, that's maybe why I love grace. Because I really want to receive it. And not just from God, but from others too. I have some beautiful friendships in my life where if... You know, I have this one friend who I've known her for years... And she never gets mad at me when I don't call her back or text her back or email her back or send a carrier pigeon back. You know, I mean, ever, eventually I get back. <laughs> 
But you know how many friends I've lost because I haven't gotten back? And how many church members I've lost because I forgot to email someone back or I didn't call them back? A lot. Because it's kind of disappointing. And I understand. You know, it's something I need to work on. It's not the best thing. I'm not making excuses for that. But sometimes you get those people in your life who just give you so much grace. It's like, do they really care? You know, it's like, do they really care about me? How weird is that? Um, the the Paul Tillich sermon on accepting yourself. You are accepted. I believe is the title of it. It's just mind-blowing. Google it. Write it down. Find it. It's it's free to read somewhere online. I know because I've stolen them a few times. Well, I guess if they're free, you're not stealing. Um, Read it because it, it really grasps the idea of learning to accept that one is accepted, even that which is unacceptable. So... You know, there's something about the Jesus' messages and God and her messages as seen by Paul. Oh, did I say her? I just said that because I just, that guy, some guy the other day was like, Rachel Helzevin just said God was a woman or something. He's like, heresy straight up. Do you see my comment on that? It's shaking nuts. Yeah, it's, it's, it's awful, but... I wanted to delete it, but then I got five likes, and I was like, oh, the world is okay. <laughs> they like me. If I ever get a retweet, you know, I'm going to just explode. Like, ah, they really love me. When did retweets become like this great expensive commodity that you really have to work your ass off to get? Anybody? Man, we used to just give them away in the early days. Not anymore. Um, I've, I will always have more in common, and I, and, I, and I thought about this today, and I hadn't thought about this in a long time, with disciples, with, with the disciples. Uh, you know, the twelve. Uh, Thomas, probably, in particular. Uh, and Peter, as well. Um, uh, not because Peter was the rock or the foundation, um, because Peter was like, he's being killed and tortured, and they're doing what to him? <laughs> I don't know the guy because I don't like I don't like having the flesh ripped out of my back. I, I've got to go. I would hope that I would be like, crucify me. <laughs> we all die tonight because it is a good night to die. You know, not like, but no, oh, I got to go. I'm so I don't know. I sound like I'm from Galilee. I've never even been to Galilee. Um, they're trash over there in Galilee. Um, but uh, Jesus and Paul. You know, I really love and I really learn from them, but uh, try as I do, I always end up back at at the disciples. Um, let's just take a... I'm going to just take a, uh, the saints, as, as we like to call them. Uh, Jesus is crucified, and they go, uh, let's go back to our old jobs. I mean, if it really was three days... <laughs> I mean, those guys wasted no time to get back out on the, the, the get back to work. Oh, well, that was embarrassing. Yeah, think anybody will remember that we thought he was the son of God? I hope not. Oh no, what? There's some sort of a ghost man walking on the water. <laughs> Damn it! We, but you, I told you we should have waited at least four days before we went back to work. Um, 
I would have been like, oh, no, I was just hanging out with him. I was like, guys, why are you working? Oh, gee, hey, what's up? I was waiting. I need to come back. Um, I know that inside you're thinking I'm lying, and your father's telling you that, but the lines are mixed up. Um, Betraying him, that's a good one. Judas. I really think Judas was probably more trying to force God's hand than anything. I don't think he was like, <laughs> like they make him sound in like Bible tapes. He wasn't twirling his mustache like, I'm going to kill the Savior. Um, I just think he was uh, just like, listen, let's just overthrow this thing. I can, I've got to, I figured out a brilliant idea. <laughs> um, sleeping while Jesus prays. You know, and sweats, sweats blood, I think. <laughs> and he's like, can't you guys stay awake and pray with me for like an hour? And they're like, but oh Lord. And he's like, up, oh, the time's come, forget it. I would be that sleeping guy. I mean, I, that's what I can relate to is like, I've been walking around with this guy. People want to kill us. It's crazy. I am so exhausted, you know. I'm, already, I'm washing my hands all the time because we're around lepers. You know, I don't know what to do. <laughs> Went to a tax collector's house. Not sure how to deal with that. Got a tax collector in our gang now. And when all these prostitutes, what's going on? Am I in a, you know, some sort of crazy, I don't know, music video? Um, yeah. Um. I wrote down all these examples very small. Uh, like I, yeah, I said, the Peter is afraid to be associated with him. Um, oh, look what that guy's doing. He's healing in your name. Can you believe that? Or, oh my gosh, all these kids are around Jesus. For Kids are so annoying. Come on, come on, kids, let's get out of here. You know, especially then, it was like, these kids are just nasty. You know? Uh, you know, don't bother the man of God. What is already happening? Um, and Jesus rebukes them. You know, I mean, it just this is what I relate to often. Um, or when they were in a place and they got rejected, and they were like, "Lord, why don't you bring down hellfire and angels and just destroy this land?" And he's like, "You guys have no idea what you're asking." You know. But, you know, I get revenge in my mind sometimes if I don't do it, you know. Have you ever said the Christmas story where he gets his mouth washed out with soap? And then he has this fantasy of coming home and he's like, He's blind! Why are you blind? He's like, Soap poisoning. <laughs> and they all cry, Oh! You know, they feel so bad. Um, I was like, I'm not the only one. Um... Why is Jesus talking to her, the woman at the well? <laughs> like, oh man, you know, Jesus just, he keeps, some things keep raising red flags, you know, and now he's hanging out with this the girl at the well. I don't see any water anywhere. You know, what are we doing? You know, I mean, seriously, this is what these guys do constantly. And these are the disciples. These are the guys who are going to be like really bold in a few months after Jesus is after those three days and they see him. And then they're going to be like, we're going to sit together at church and they're going to make rules and regulations. But you really get to see them without all the little hot like leadership roles, you know, and 
Paul going to them asking them, may I reach the Gentiles? And like, that's unsatisfactory to us. Just make sure they, you know, whatever. Um, or, or, surely that was the Son of God. Now, as he's ascending into heaven, you know, like really guys, maybe? I don't know. Or we're all just hallucinating on mushrooms. I don't know. But the fact is, is these guys, you could tell that they had this constant struggle of who were they with? And was it God? Was he a prophet? Was he this? Was he that? You know, were they safe? Were they not safe? What were they doing? You know, they couldn't keep any numbers up. They couldn't keep financially stable at all. You know, I'm starting to resemble that remark. And, um, no, but they couldn't do any of that. You know, and it was driving them bonkers. And can you blame them? And so I find myself uh, relating to that, and, and uh, I also another verse I, I've always liked, and I've liked that people try to t- always tell me that Paul wrote this, meaning in past tense, or you know that he'd never meant that at, at at the time. I taught this like 15 years ago, and uh, there was like this youth group at the shelter that I worked at. And I taught on Romans 7. And uh, they got really mad at me. Because they were like, you teach it as though that was what Paul was saying at the time. And I'm like, well, that's, you know, it was, that was what he was saying at the time. He was writing it down. You know, he's talking to somebody and writing it down. He's like, no, no, no. Paul couldn't have meant that he was going through that now because he's a man of God. You know, they didn't think he... I'm like, you're telling me that Paul did not struggle? That's crazy. So let me read uh, Romans 7. To you and we'll get the heck out of here. Romans seven fourteen says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold unto slavery under sin. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good, but in fact it is no longer the the I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh. I can and will what? I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. Um, so I find it to be a to be a law that when I want to do what is good, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God and my in my inmost self, but I see in my member another law at war with the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in me, in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thank be to Lord God through Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. So then with, you know, it goes on a little bit more, but the idea is I have a hard time doing what's right. We all struggle with certain things. Some of us are really, our strengths are good. I'm lucky in my marriage that, you know, my wife is really good at a lot of things that I'm just not great at. Um, or that I have friends that you know remind me of stuff, you know, and 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 sometimes I don't listen, you know, and 
and I get in trouble for not listening, not like just in trouble from the people I don't listen to, but for not listening because the things that needed to get done didn't get done, did not get done. Um, it's life. It's a messy life. There's a book called Messy Spirituality by this uh, man, by a man named Mike Iaconelli. Book changed my life, and uh, he he taught me how to uh, embrace being messy. Uh, so did his wife, uh, his widow, because he passed away. Uh, also taught me that it was okay. Brennan Manning also taught me about God's grace and love, and that things are messy, and uh, but we are accepted despite all that stuff. Um, so my hope is is that we follow the gospel not because of some moral rigid laws that we feel like we need or even fire insurance or anything like that um, but we we, we we are able to follow and love others even in our broken stance knowing that we're accepted in that stance even though we might not be great at it we're able to accept that and live you know it's like let it go. You just have to let it go sometimes. You know, it's as soon as I stopped trying to get sober for God, I got sober. You know, and sometimes you just got to say, I'm accepted, I'm loved, and I can't try anymore. I can't do it anymore. And see what comes out of that. Um, I don't want excellence. I don't know what excellence is anymore. I mean, it just, every time I see excellence, it's something that, it's like, God, he's done such a great job and the place looks great, but, you know, they're like empty people inside, you know, or they're, or they're alienating the people I love and care about. You know, it's like, great, man, you drive an awesome car and you have a giant church and you have all this, but some of your theology is causing people to, like, kick their kids out of their house and not accept them for who they are. And some of them kill themselves. And, and there's so many homeless teens. You know, I, I know that, you know, what is that? You know, or people who just feel like they're, you know, God hates them and they're so like warped in their brain and they have nothing to do but run. They have, literally have to run away from you. And, and I think, uh, you know, that's usually what I see with the people who are striving for excellence. And that's not excellence. Uh, I think the only thing that is excellence is is, uh, is loving our neighbors as ourselves, and I think that's all we can do. Um, and the rest of the stuff is cool, you know, show off if you like. Um, but I hope you you know, I hope that rang true with some of you, and I hope that you're able to take that messy spot in your life and kind of it's okay. You don't have to have it figured out. You know, we're all dealing with this stuff. And I guess the reason... I I, I still want to make this a church service and just because I read from the Bible. I guess kind of helps. But, I mean, I'm really... This is grace and why I follow Jesus. Is I, 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 That's why. I'm not, you know... I'm not teaching people, like, how to speak professionally. <laughs> Nor will I ever. Um, but there's this grace that I've come in contact with uh, that's beyond my understanding and really beautiful that allows me despite all my insecurities and all this other crap is to get up here and talk about it and want to try to get somebody to help me write a book about it you know and do that stuff 
So I hope that you find that grace as well. I hope I communicate that grace well enough that you can take these stories and just relate them to your own. And if you can't, just leave it. If you don't need it, leave it here. Somebody else will pick it up. All right. Um, thanks. I'm gonna. We're a nonprofit, as you all know. I don't think we have any new timers here. Um, <laughs> so I just have a hat uh, with a ta- with a napkin in it. But that napkin's just because the hat's a little loose. <laughs> uh, if you'd like to give, I have the square today. <laughs> Bob will be filing chapter eleven this afternoon. Um, but I did bring the square. We can thank Josh for that because Josh sent me a text saying, don't forget the square. And I sent him a text saying, did you win the lottery? <laughs> Unfortunately, no. Okay. You have to play to win. Um, okay, yeah, yeah, thank you. <laughs> we would be cut in because 10% of that belongs to Jesus. And we'll be, we hold it for him. <laughs> Uh, where he's like accountants. I don't know how that works. All right, I'm going to pray real quick. And uh, we uh, don't have much time. So you can talk to each other for the few minutes that we got. Uh, Lord, I thank you for your grace and your mercy. I thank you uh, for the acceptance and uh, the ability that ourselves can accept that that you can allow us to get to that point and i even know it seems really hard and and almost impossible um i ask and thank you for that and and just anyone out there who's going through this type of stuff of of suffering knows they're not suffering alone and that we are a community even if we're separated uh from one another by location we're still able to be a community and uh carry one another's burdens and suffer with one another and celebrate with one another. Amen.